Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One thing that I think the general public doesn't know that the makeup department head on a film or TV show is responsible for the entire body. So like whenever you're seeing naked bodies, I have laid pubic hair on people twice. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. Welcome Welcome to to Los Angeles. Every week we break down the most important beauty news and launches, interview your favorite beauty experts, influencers, and celebrity guests, and review our favorite beauty products of the moment as your beauty editor BFFs from the beautiful and great city of Los Angeles. Welcome Glamgelinos! We hope you stay a while. (laughs) Cute. That's cute. Man oh man, this is a fun episode. I am ready for everybody to hear it. I'm so excited. I feel like Kirby, we have been manifesting this guest ever since we started the podcast back in 2019. Yes. Yes. So in case you're, you didn't read the, the title, (laughs) that's the thing about podcasting. It's like, they know. They, do you think people do that? Like, they're like, ooh, I don't want to know what, guests, <laughs> what the guest is. I'm not going to read the show notes. I'm just going to press, press play. Do we have any diehard fans like that? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the thing about podcasts. Everything is spoiled. It's, it's like spoiled immediately. That's why you all came here. Yes. So, Donnie Davey is our guest today, who is incredible. Sarah's going to go into her amazing career and resume, but... Um, you guys know her because she is the woman behind the Euphoria makeup craze. So if you have seen any type of Euphoria makeup inspired by the show, it's because of her work and what she did on that show was just so cool, so different. She was given so the groundbreaking. Fr- yes, the freedom to do it is also like very, very. It's like rare that, especially in film or TV, that people get to play with their makeup in a way that feels really modern and relevant um, because oftentimes people think it detracts from what's actually going on. And in this case, I think it just totally, it made everybody more excited to watch the show. Absolutely. And it's, she's just so sweet and so humble. We were, you know, obviously seeing her praises, we're such big fans. But she like totally just brushed it off. It was just, this is her job. And she truly, truly loves what she does. Yep. So Donnie is a true Glamgelino, born and raised in Venice, California by two artists. So she's, I think, always had, you know, that true artistry like in her blood. She went uh, to Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, studied photography. And, you know, she thought she, she tells Kirby and me that, you know, she thought she was going to pursue that, but instead she decided she wanted to do, she wanted to become a makeup artist in the film industry. 
not like red carpet celebrity makeup. She wanted to work on movies, um, which we thought was really interesting and she's gonna go into that. So, you know, obviously we all know her because of what Kirby said, Euphoria. She went on to win an Emmy for it, but um, she has had, her resume is stacked. She did the makeup for Moonlight, If Beale Street Could Talk. She did this film, um, an A24 film called Under the Silver Lake, which is uh, the reason why she got the call to do Euphoria. So we are so excited to have her on the podcast and the timing is perfect because she just collaborated with Facelace to create a limited edition collection of little face decals that are little clouds that were made famous by the makeup that she did on Hunter Schaefer's character on Euphoria, Jules. So the collection is called Head in the Clouds and they're so fun, so easy to use. Kirby and I were wearing them during our interview with her. 10% of the profits will be donated to Trans Lifeline and we will include all the links um, for where you can purchase them. For me personally, I love learning more about the film and TV industry and how that kind of works. So if that's something that you've never really thought about or you have always been curious how that works, especially in makeup department on a TV show, she's gonna go into that. And to me, it's just the most fascinating thing. I, I absolutely love it. I I, I feel like I'm a tourist. I, I have lived in LA for 12 years, but anytime I hear anything like very insidery Hollywoody, I just get so, so excited. It just makes me giddy. I mean, that's the reason that our podcast exists, is it not? It's so that we can discuss <laughs> yes. that stuff because I mean, I had no idea. I knew that her job was hard as the head of the makeup department for a show, but I did not know everything that it in entailed. And it just blew my mind. Like you said, it was just so exciting to hear all of the details of like what her job is, um, but also like makes me just have so much more respect for what she does. Totally. All right, everyone. We hope that you love this episode with Donnie. We wanted to give a quick heads up, a trigger warning. There is a discussion about sexual assault and it's not even a discussion. It's just a brief mention of sexual assault in relation to one of the characters in Euphoria. One of the looks that uh, she wears was inspired by a specific piece um, of film that includes sexual assault. If that is triggering to you, what we're going to do is put the exact time code in our show notes so that you know once you approach that time that you probably should turn off the podcast. Um, we just wanted to give everybody a heads up on that. But this is a very fun, informative episode. I think it's probably, we say, why do we say this every episode? This is going to be one of your favorites. Okay, they can't all be favorites. They can't all be favorites, Sarah. We're speaking to specific people, you know? If, if none of our episodes have been your favorite, maybe this one will be it, hopefully. <laughs> what about the... It's one of mine. The end of every episode, we're just going to go, this is going to be one of your favorites and just see how many people, <laughs> and then we'll put a poll up. We'll put a poll up on Instagram. Was this one of your favorites? Yes or no? I think it's a good sign. We're just excited about every episode and every guest that we have. And we honestly think that you guys will be excited about it too. I don't think it's a bad thing. Okay, good. It's fine to have multiple favorites. Perf. All right. Enjoy y'all. Y'all, we have Donnie Davey here. Are you kidding me? We've talked about this woman at length. I feel like we should be writing a dissertation about the impact of her makeup. 
because we love her so much. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. This is not a question that we have on the list. Sorry, Sarah. But I have to know, how old are you? You're in your like 20s, right? No, I'm 32. Shut the front door. Okay, this is incredible. Front door 32-ing right now. (laughs) Okay, so Sarah and I are 34. So I feel a lot better about my life. 30s are the best, right? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I mean, we're going to get into this, but we can talk about the trials and tribulations of being in your twenties and really thinking like you were a failure in your twenties for not accomplishing everything that you thought you were going to accomplish, right? Before we get into all of that, we're going to kick things off with a segment that we call what's What's on on your face. face? (laughs) Okay. So I have a lot of things on my face right now. But let's start with these fun little things that are also on y'all's faces. (laughs) So I collaborated with this awesome artist, this UK artist, Phyllis Cohen, and she is the woman behind Face Lace. So Face Lace makes these stick-on makeup. So it's like these face decals. They come in all different finishes. The ones I'm wearing right now are this iridescent holographic finish. And I found out about Face Lace during season one of Euphoria was like totally obsessed with this concept of stick on makeup, sort of going past like gems and glitter and sort of little things I would find at like Joanne's fabric and like glue on the face, like Maddie's gold chain eyeliner. These items from Face Lace are like made to fit universally around different eye shapes. So I got some, I ended up putting them on Jules, the character of Jules on Euphoria. And from like a makeup artist on set point of view, it's like amazing to have something that you can up the drama of a look like instantaneously. So these little clouds that I'm wearing, we're all wearing right now are this recent collaboration that I did with Face Lace. So me and Phyllis got together remotely or virtually and we designed these little clouds. And for me, this was like a fun thing to just offer the Euphoria makeup community. You know, it's been a long time since season one aired and season two keeps getting pushed. So I wanted to do something cool and easy and fun, you know, that looks good with a COVID mask to just offer the makeup fans of Euphoria. Yeah, it looks amazing. And it was so easy to apply. Like I had so much fun. And I love that they're reusable. Exactly. The adhesive on the back will wear after like a couple times. So what you want to do to make them super reusable, lay them down on clean skin that doesn't have a ton of foundation on because when you lay them down on top of like a lot of powder or foundation, that'll sort of get a little like gunky on the adhesive. The best way is to just put them on on clean skin and then you can reuse them a couple times. That's very in line with your makeup aesthetic as well. It's not a ton of foundation all over the face. Like you still see the natural skin showing through. Like even on Euphoria, I want to talk about making makeup for TV versus like what we're seeing a lot online right now because when Euphoria makeup literally the thing you created became a thing, people were like, oh, I don't have to paint my entire face this one shade and then do all this other stuff to my face. I can actually have my pores showing, you know, like I'm not going to edit my photos to filth anymore. Yeah. I'm so happy you brought that up. Not a lot of people do. That's my aesthetic. It's like clean skin that where there can be a little bit of like imperfection, so to speak, showing through 
which is not to say, and then this is something I realized early on that I was like, okay, this is important for me to, for me to like, just check myself on. If we're talking about makeup as self-expression, it's not fair for me to also say that like covering your face up with a ton of opaque foundation does not equal self-expression. That was just something I had to like check myself on earlier on like last year. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's all self-expression. But yes, I love the idea of normalizing skin texture. I love the idea of working for a director, Sam Levinson, who wants me to go really hard with cool, fun makeup looks, but wants the skin to look real. Cause it's like exactly that. Like you don't need the occasion. You don't need to be on stage and you don't need to have perfect skin to wear like bright green eyeshadow, or at least that's what I believe. And that's, you know, the belief system that I want to push forward. Yeah. Okay. Before we jump into uh, our next question, can you explain this beautiful icy blue? Well, that's what it looks like on Zoom. Eye that you're wearing and what is it? What are you wearing? Okay. So I am wearing this brand called Black Moon. This is, it's really cute. It's got a little moon on it and little stars. It's creamy, almost like a lip gloss, but it like sets in and it's got like teeny little little bitty glitters in it, super shimmery, super reflective. I just put it on my naked eyes, just spread it everywhere all over my eyelids. <laughs> yeah, I love blue, blue eyeshadow and anything reflective. And it's super easy too. When you put it on it, you can just kind of blend it out with your finger. Is that what you, you're saying? My nails are kind of long right now, except for this guy. So it's kind of hard for me to blend with my fingers, although I love blending with my, I'm like all about just casual, like use your fingers, use your hands. But I was using an eyeshadow brush, like a real makeup artist today. Just any small fluffy brush to just sort of blend it everywhere and sort of pull it out on the outer quarters of my eyes a little bit. Donnie, have you tried About Face yet from Halsey? I haven't tried it yet. The whole line was sent to me. Thank you, Halsey and your team. And I'm dying to just like get into it and try it. I'll have you guys. Yes. I love it. All the products are bomb. I think also, Donnie, they're the perfect size. Lips for me personally, they can be too large and it's like I'm never going to get through all of it. And I think that this is just the perfect size to put in your bag, put in your purse, your pocket. I think especially for makeup artists, they're so compact, it would be really easy to pack in a kit. And I love the lip liners. The lip liners, I think, are just standouts because I, I really like a nude lip most of the time. Long wear liners as well? Or are they more creamy? Because I know the liquid lip is like a long wear, right? Yeah. The liquid lip, it's matte and it's long wear. The lip liners are more creamy. And I think actually that's why I love the lip liners because I'll just wear them straight up as lipstick because they just feel so good and they're easily blended. You know what I mean? I do that all the time. I just wear lip liner like all over and then just put like chapstick or something on top. When you set out to become a makeup artist, you specifically wanted to work in film and TV and not red carpet and celebrity, which I think a lot of people may think, wait, aren't those like synonymous with each other? Like, shouldn't they all be in the same category? And they're very different. So why did you want to focus on that category versus like the celebrity looks and the red carpet looks? I didn't know a lot about the film industry at all. I like really went kind of blindly into it based on like an instinct and a whim and the advice of a dear friend's mother <laughs> suggesting that I should pursue makeup for film and TV. When I started kind of looking into that more, I realized the whole like storytelling aspect of it was so interesting. I was a photo major. I went to art school at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn and I studied photography. And so I loved like, you know, taking photos of people in their worlds and sort of observing almost like 
documentary Americana vibes like style and so the whole like storytelling and like unspoken stories shown through imagery aka photography right was like just a natural interest of mine so a makeup job where I could use my hands and be creative and paint because I also have a visual art background so use color and paint but also be really focused on the character's story and their backstory and like reading in between the lines and scripts and sort of figuring out why I'm putting blue eyeshadow on them for this particular moment that was just really intriguing to me it sounded challenging it sounded fun and it sounded more deeply intellectually challenging (laughs) and the work that red carpet like celebrity makeup artists do is incredible I learned so much like technique wise from them just shout out to them (laughs) I mean they're different mediums right Sarah like that's when you're figuring out how you're going to do somebody's face for the red carpet it's completely different than the vibe that you're trying to get when somebody's about to let's say like have an argument in a scene or is trying to express their sexuality for the first time in a show. You know what I mean? It's completely different. So I love the emotion behind it. And so many interesting conversations with like, you know, directors and actors I've worked with just about like stuff that the audience would never know. Like why the same lipstick shade here that her mom was wearing there? It's like, oh, because this character is wearing makeup for the first time and used her mom's lipstick. Like no one would know that unless I explain it. I'm actually talking about this film I did called If Beale Street Could Talk, directed by Barry Jenkins. That was just something that came to mind about like these conversations I have with cast members about like just all these backstories to their character that like no one will know about, but it just adds a little bit more meaning into the scene. And it helps the actor get more into their character, which is literally the service I'm providing. (laughs) That was such a beautiful movie. I was just saying that movie destroyed me. When you were starting out, you were applying for makeup jobs on Craigslist Can you share like maybe one of the most memorable gigs you found through Craigslist? Like could be good, could be bad, good, bad, and ugly. So I did everything from like office headshots for like employees at like a random corporate company to zombie makeup for like young actors who are like making a short film in their like apartment complex in Burbank. So like typical LA young actor scene. So I had never done zombie makeup before. And I was like, but you know, I need to learn these things. I need to learn if I really wanted to be a department head. I wanted to run makeup departments in film and TV. And I had learned up until this point, my skills need to be very wide. I need to know how to do everything. Not that I'm the one who ends up doing everything on set, but I need to know, can I do this? Do I need to outsource it? And just like what the work entails, how it holds up any challenges associated with like zombie makeup, for example. So this was like my training ground, like working on student films and like just random actors films. So I did a test run on my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. I just like figured out, I use this silicone stuff. You mix these two mediums together and they form this silicone. I use it for like sculpting wounds and stuff. I actually use it on every single project ever, but you can also do zombie faces out of it. And I just totally winged it and like had no idea what I was doing. But I took a stab at it and it was all right. It wasn't the best zombie makeup ever. And that was one of those jobs where like your payment is in like, they give you 20 bucks for gas and they give you food, which was hamburger helper in a giant bowl that everybody shared. Yeah, copy and credit. I'm very familiar with the copy and credit. Definitely not getting paid for this gig, but I'll get a free meal and something to show for it. (laughs) 
<laughs> at the time I was working at a wine bar in LA. So I was like, you know, just always trying to move my schedule around to accommodate these little like free gigs. But it's funny because whenever I have a, a challenge or I'm doing something on set, I'm like, I've done this before. I, I know that this is going to be challenging or I've learned from this mistake before. And I learned on these like Craigslist jobs. There were so many of them. I applied to every single Craigslist job that was seeking a makeup artist. So I love that you talked about the makeup department heads job. And I think that if you listen to Los Angeles, you know we're based in LA. We like to focus on the entertainment world, celebrity, all those things. But I feel like that's a job that's just not talked about a lot. Can you explain what the job looks like, what it entails, and what's something that most people probably don't realize about that title and job? It's a challenging job because you're actively using, I believe, equal parts of like your left brain and your right brain. I forget which side is which, but it's like the creative side and then the like super like analytical, like management, admin, accounting, budgeting. So you're really using those both at the same time, which is really exhausting. It's like you're just a hamster on two wheels at once pair of arms and legs on one wheel and the other on the other. <laughs> it's like everything from like counting of every single sponge, every single setting spray or anything that's purchased for the department. Like that goes through me. Every single look on every background actor goes through me. So I am responsible, the like positive functioning of my team and setting up my team in a way where I'm setting them up for success so that they can then support me because everything at the end of the day any issue that arises, any mistakes that are made comes back to me because I'm the leader of my team. So this balance that's kind of challenging is like staying in that like empathetic, creative, artistic kind of fun headspace where I'm really thinking about and makeup looks, all that fun stuff. But then I'm simultaneously troubleshooting and preparing for chaos and any just challenges that come up. And there are a lot of challenges that do come up. The schedule changes, all of a sudden we're doing a scene we weren't prepared for, we don't have makeup tests going on actors, we're figuring stuff out on the fly, certain products aren't performing like we want, you know, so there's just a lot that can go wrong, a lot that does go wrong, <laughs> and a lot of just preparation and troubleshooting. And then for me, the hardest thing that I'm sort of learning how to do right now, I tend to be a people pleaser, which is great because my job is to collaborate with the director, the cast, even the producers. I need to satisfy a lot of people, including my own artistic sensibility, right? But I'm not at the top of that list. I'm more at the bottom. So there's a lot of people to satisfy, but then there's my team and managing my team and striking that balance between being that creative energy and actually having that like leadership boss energy. So that to me is always the hardest to sort of like have difficult conversations and really get what I need from my team and really know how to ask for that because I sort of tend to just be a little bit less direct about stuff as people pleasers do. So that's what I'm working on right now. I had no idea that that's what entailed in a makeup department head's job. And anybody listening, there's so many people that don't understand it. And I think the reason why we asked that question, obviously Sarah was curious, but also like, I think sometimes, especially when it comes to career choices, people like to put you in a box. So they like to say, are you creative? Okay, then you need to have a creative job. You need to focus on that element of your personality. Okay, you don't really have like a strong creative eye. You have ideas, great, but you're you're better in an analytical sense. You're a better manager. You're a better businesswoman. They love to, especially for women, put us in these boxes. What I love about your explanation is that you're explaining you are scratching that itch of creativity, but then you're also being a boss bitch and you're telling people, okay, guess what? This was not the scene that we were planning on doing right now. So get 
get rid of the gold chains for the eyeballs. We're moving to something, you know what I mean? You can mold things that you're good at or even things that maybe you're not that strong at, but you can bring them together and become better at them and have a career like that. So that's the coolest part to me. Yeah, it's great to talk about. Like you said, it is a little bit unknown. When I describe the department head position to people, the general response is like, oh my God, thought you were just a makeup artist. And it's like, yeah, there is a lot that goes into it. Honestly, it's stressful. It's challenging. I'm in this position now where I'm getting a little bit of a spotlight on me and the euphoria makeup hashtag trend and everything. But like, I don't consider myself an expert. I truly don't. Like I am learning. I've been in this industry for like eight years or so in the union, which is like to work in film and TV or a part of a union, you have to become eligible to join. I've been in for like around six years and there's so much to learn. So you think you nail something like, uh, you know, like after euphoria, I was like, okay, I know how to run a TV show now. And then I went and did this insanely hard mini series for Amazon called the underground railroad, also directed by the amazing Barry Jenkins, who I am blessed to be able to work with. And this was my third project with him. It was so hard. I was like, God, I thought I knew what I was doing. <laughs> And, you know, like part of that is like that imposter syndrome, like you guys mentioned earlier. And it's like, I do know what I'm doing. I do have the confidence to do this. But now it's like I'm at this place where all of a sudden I'm department heading these much bigger shows than I'm used to. And it's like the growing pains of stepping into that role and letting that like more boss bitch part of myself come out and like be heard. It's like catching up to where I am a bit. Donnie, can you tell everyone when you're talking about your team, how many makeup artists are you working with? And then how long per se do you get to work on a makeup look on someone? The time challenge is the biggest and most annoying challenge of the everyday job of being a makeup artist on set. It depends. We're able, if we know there's the director and the cast member, like we know okay, this look is a big look. It's a big look. It's going to take 90 minutes. If, if we know that's the case, I can fight for to have the time. I can go to the assistant directors, beg them for the time, which is sometimes tricky because there's all these different like financial constraints. It's like, well, no, we can't bring the actor in early because then we have to bring transpo in early and then you and then your assistant and we can't afford that. So it's like, you can have 60 minutes. And I'm like, okay, but I know this look is going to take 90 minutes. So then it's like, okay, let me see if I can help double team my assistants and work on this actor to try and make it fit into 60 minutes. And then they only need to bring in me early. So it's just like this constant like puzzle of you want to do this amazing work and you're expected to do this amazing work, right? But then you're always fighting time. So it's just like getting creative with those time constraints. Do everything and then we'll do finishing touches on set, which is like last looks, which really isn't supposed to be finishing touches. That's just like, seeing if anything got messed up between them being at base camp and going to set. But like, you know, we're scrambling to put more rhinestones on and like lipstick on on set because it's like the actors have to leave the makeup and hair chairs like at a certain time so that we don't hold up set. So that is the constant anxiety. It's like, what time is it? How many minutes has it been? Oh, the PA came in and asked us how many minutes. I said seven minutes. It's been 11 minutes. I'm like, ah! So that's the kind of chaos that is like very high anxiety. It's time. What you're describing is, is is exactly what you said with the left brain and the right brain. This job requires both. And obviously a lot of it is like management of the time, like you said, and managing your team. A lot of it too is you touch on how you have to be empathetic and managing like a lot of personalities probably. You don't want to offend makeup artists on your teams. You want to give them the freedom to be creative, but you also have to be like, it doesn't align with what we're doing. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, that's a big part of it, dealing with personalities and making everybody feel comfortable and happy and like they're in a safe space to create while also keeping the actors with all their various needs, having them feel heard and taken care of and that their needs are being met or if they have like skin concerns, taking the time to make sure everybody feels comfortable because the last thing I want is somebody feeling uncomfortable, somebody not getting the full time or treatment that they need and having to compromise on the work is something I will fiercely protect. So that's always my biggest concern. I'm like, you know what? It's all about what ends up on screen because that is connected to my name and my livelihood. So whatever decisions I need to make last minute to make the end result of how the person looks on screen be like the best it can be and the most appropriate for the story. It's always my goal. The empathy that I mentioned before, it's definitely that with like managing all the interpersonal relationships of my team members and the cast members. I think that helps me read between the lines of the script and like really put myself in the shoes of the characters and like think, and especially on Euphoria, I'm a woman. My teenagerhood was like not that long ago. I mean, really feeling those scripts, like reading them and being like, I know that feeling. Like I literally know exactly that feeling. So I have such a good understanding of what this person's face is going to look like in the scene. That heightened sensitivity for me is something I've learned to view as actually a cool skill rather than something that's always like, oh God, like a burden. (laughs) So before you booked Euphoria, you worked on a little movie called Moonlight. This movie was just absolutely stunning, large part because of your work. If you read any review of the movie, they always talk about the character's skin and the attention to detail and even down to like the grills that the characters were wearing. Can you talk to us about what it was like to work on that movie and like how you developed the look for the characters? Yeah, so that movie, I was just a one person department. It was really small or it was like a very small film, (laughs) completely different skill set than Euphoria. So makeup needed to be invisible, 100% invisible, but I did use a lot of makeup and Barry Jenkins, the director, he really wanted like luminous, glowing, natural skin on all of the actors where you could like feel the Miami heat and the sweat, (laughs) but he didn't want the actors like just like sweating in every scene so it was like capturing that glow that like beautiful natural glow so I used a lot of like skin oils and stuff and then there was a lot of aging and sort of like portraying drug addiction in Naomi Harris who played the main character's mom so that was again just using a lot of makeup but having it look like no makeup that is one kind of challenge and skill set. And then Euphoria is like the opposite. It was like exercising a completely different part of my skills. And then you did Under the Silver Lake, which had a lot of bold beauty looks featuring glitter and rhinestones and color. I get the vibe that you love that type of makeup, especially now. But A, is that true? And B, was that always the case? Or did it take you a minute to really like lean into that part of makeup? Okay. Oh, I love these questions. Yes, that is the case. I have always loved bright, bold makeup. I've never worn it on myself. I was like too shy growing up. I've just, I've always aspired to these bolder looks. And under the Silver Lake, I got to really play with color and rhinestones and glitter for the first time because I was kind of like known more for like these gritty ultra realism films where like the makeup is a part of the story, but like you don't realize it's makeup. So Under the Silver Lake, that job actually landed me Euphoria. So it was my work and my team's work on Under the Silver Lake. That's why I got called in to interview for Euphoria. But 
to get to the point where I was hired on Under the Silver Lake, there was a point early on where I was looking at my portfolio and I'm like, it's literally all just like people with some bruises and like special effects and like natural Western cowboy looking stuff, weathered skin. And like, there wasn't any like fashion fun makeup. And this is advice I give to like aspiring makeup artists. If you want something in your portfolio and you don't have it, you need to just go and make that happen. Like grab a family member or a friend do a cool look on them and then put it in your portfolio. No one will ever know, you know, like it's no one will know that's your sister or whatever. So I actually would connect with photographers on Craigslist, my best friend Craigslist, Instagram now. Instagram was like just becoming a thing back then when I was like 23, 24, 25. So yeah, I would just do like free photo shoots and I'm like, okay, can the makeup be really cool? Cause this is what I'm thinking. And the photographer would be like, yeah, whatever. I just want a makeup artist and I'll grab a model who's a new model who needs test shooting. So I did a bunch of shoots like that and was able to get some color into my portfolio, which I think then made me kind of eligible to come in and interview for Under the Silver Lake. Let's talk about euphoria. Where do we even begin? (laughs) One of the things that we love most about your work was just how playful and inventive you were with the character's makeup. You know, Kirby and I have been beauty editors for so long and it was so refreshing to watch euphoria I think, you know, we've talked about this when we had Daniel Martin on the podcast about just how you were creating these looks, even though they were really whimsical, we were like a high schooler would wear that kind of makeup. We've just been inundated with all of these super quote unquote perfect Instagram brow and like a lot of contouring and all that stuff. And so when we watched Euphoria, it was like, yes, this is what we want to see. And, you know, we felt so inspired by it. And obviously everyone who watches the show is inspired by it. You know, you started this movement. Why do you think your work resonated with so many people and inspired everyone to be bold with their makeup? I think seeing fun makeup, it's like sort of reminiscent of like fashion or runway makeup. Seeing that kind of makeup on these characters who are portraying like real human beings, characters going through ups and downs and really real life situations. I think that is what made the makeup exciting and accessible. It's like bridging the gap between the fantasy of like runway or like on stage makeup that like singers wear or whatever or models coming down the runway and bridging that with everyday life you know there's this tendency in the beauty industry and in society to label everything like you were saying earlier about putting people in certain boxes like oh you're a creative you're an intellectual oh you have this job that's not appropriate that's a daytime look that's a nighttime look I'm really sick of magazines this is for daytime this is for nighttime this is for if you have a yellow undertone this is for if you have dark skin I just don't like rules I don't like limitations I like to ignore them all. And that's just what's fun for me. And I think people were into it because it's just offering a different perspective, really. One of my favorite digital internet pieces, I think it was on Vox maybe four or five years ago. It talks about TV hair. And Donnie, if you haven't seen it, I'll send it to you. Sarah, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know if I do. There is this video. It basically is like, why do TV actresses all have the same hairstyle? And you don't ever notice it, but when they break it down, you're like, holy shit, why do they have the same hairstyle? It's not how people would really normally wear their hair. It's very straight at the top with a little bit of a curl at the bottom. 
and that's it. It's like New Girl, like every sitcom, every TV show. And it's because they don't want to detract from like what's going on in the show. They don't want people to say like, oh my God, her hair was crazy or it was out of place. The focus is supposed to be on the storyline, right? But I think the reason why so many people have gravitated towards Euphoria is that show is set in a moment in time. It's supposed to be right now. When you're watching it, you feel like you know the characters more because of the choices that they make with their makeup or with their hair or with their clothing. They identify themselves as individuals in that way. And I think it just adds to the story versus being little cutouts of each other. That's my personal take on it. Totally agree with you. I think there is this assumption that the audience is not smart enough or something to be able to handle interesting hair or makeup. And the thing that's cool about Sam Levinson, the director, writer, creator of Euphoria is that he likes to trust the audience. And he's also like, if some people think it's weird, he's like, I don't really care. He's like, I'm not here to keep everything in the box for everyone. I think the audience will understand. I think they'll get it. Okay. If you set the tone early on in the season, right? And it's like, yeah, fact these kids have cool hair and makeup. You just, okay, you just know that watching the show and then you know to expect it so it doesn't freak you out if all of a sudden someone has a pink ponytail or something. So yeah, I think filmmakers or makeup and hair folks or just directors thinking about makeup and hair should trust their audience a little bit. You know, it helps them connect with the characters more when they're more real. This is a loaded question, and I we do not expect you to go down the line of every single character, but can you tell us how you developed the specific makeup styles for a few of the characters? Yeah, so each character, you know, we, we learn their backstories, right, like in, in each of the episodes, and there's a lot there. There's a lot that's said, and there's a lot that's unsaid. I'll start just simply in the beginning. So when I first get on a job, after I talk to the director, I have this sense of like, okay, which characters he wants to really see like kind of more snazzy looks on, which ones are going to be more just still figuring out their comfort level. So from the beginning with Maddie, for example, he was like, I want Maddie's makeup to be like a YouTuber's dream. He wanted people to pause the show and like look at the makeup and be like, oh, okay, that's something we're familiar with. It's a black wing, but it's different. It's got a lot of color behind it. It's lined with gems. He wasn't saying those specific things, but like he wanted it to be recognizable and sort of like existing a bit like in the conventional world already, but just like taking it further and making it more exciting. And then it's like, okay, well, color, vibe, like need to know more. So then I go to costumes. The costume department is always hired earlier than the makeup department because they have to like get all these clothes. Such an incredibly challenging job. It's wild. So I'm like, okay, let's see the rack for Maddie. And it's like getting to know those colors. So then that informs my color decisions with like eyeshadows and stuff. And then something really cool that I love to do is go to the production design office and start looking at what they have imagery wise for the different characters' bedrooms. Because you can learn a lot about a character, their color palette, their vibe from like their teenage bedroom, as I'm sure you both would agree with. So that's like a super cool like insider info for me to like snoop around in production design and just like see what's going on. Some of the sets are built, some are just like inspiration boards for bedrooms down the line. So that really helps me with my color palette. Between costumes and production design, I have my palette kind of down. I'm dying to be a fly on the wall on set. I just want to spend a day shadowing you. 
which I'm sure you get a lot. Being on set is not something I grew up with. I grew up in LA, but I wasn't going to film sets and stuff. I just didn't really care or know about that world that much. The behind the scenes aspect, it is so strange. Being on a studio lot and you see like the morning shows filming right there and Euphoria is here and you go in and there's this big fake high school built on a set inside. And then there's Barbie's bedroom right next to it. And then the inside of Rue and her family's house is right there. But then we go and film 20 minutes away to get all the exterior stuff. I mean, the whole production design thing is fascinating and replicating these homes of these random people whose houses we've filmed in and replicating those for on stage. It's, it's so trippy. So Euphoria does film here in LA, right? Yeah. I love being on set. I love it. I just get all giddy and I, I'm like, oh, there's magic happening here. If I had my way in the world, I would just literally be like an intern and follow all the different departments around to just learn every single part of making a television show because I think it is so fascinating. One thing that I think the general public doesn't know that the makeup department head on a film or TV show is responsible for the entire body. So like whenever you're seeing naked bodies, we've airbrushed these bodies, we've covered tattoos or we've applied fake tattoos, nails, everything. We're responsible for like the entire body. It is a lot. And there's a lot that like just comes up on the fly to deal with. And to me, especially like when there's a lot of sex scenes in a project, you know, like we really want our cast members to feel good and confident. Um, we want them to feel comfortable, you know, being nude on screen. So there's just, there's a lot of care that goes into the process. I have laid pubic hair on people twice. But that's what I'm saying. As a makeup artist, I mean, you are seeing and doing things with people that the director is not doing that. <laughs> Sam is not laying pubic hair on somebody. You know what I mean? That it's a trust. It's like a confidence that you have in each other. It's a vulnerability to be like, all right, this is what the character needs. I don't have it. So we got to figure this out. What you are doing is art. Like Kirby said, people don't appreciate that enough. They just don't know. Have you been working on set in the COVID world? A little bit. I've dipped my toes into it. So there were those two bridge episodes of Euphoria. I think one aired in October and one in December or January. That was sort of like brief time on set. And then I did another smaller film back in December. Made your job even more challenging. I actually really like wearing a mask when I'm doing makeup. I think it's good. It's a good thing to have my mouth covered when I'm working so close to someone because I'll paint people's teeth. I'll work inside their mouths, like really close on their eyes. It makes total sense to wear a little mask. <laughs> I feel like makeup artists are just going to always do that now. At least I am. I think it's just, it feels right. It is hard wearing the other PPE stuff. We have this shield while we're on set and then a mask underneath and it gets all fogged up. And then for people who wear glasses, also you wear this over your glasses and you have your mask. And then imagine yourself being on a dark set and you're just bumping into everything. Your mask is fogging. You like run up, to climb up into a bedroom on set. It's not always ground level. You climb up ladders and stuff or staircases. You get up to a set and you're like, oh God, I forgot my shield. You run back down, get your shield. You're running back. It complicates things for sure. But it's kind of amazing that we've been able to do it. You get to set, you get COVID tested. So, I mean, I'm incredibly grateful to have had a little bit of work during this time. All right, Donnie, we have reached the rapid fire portion of this interview. We're curious, what is the first makeup product you fell in love with? First makeup product you fell in love with? Okay. I don't know who makes this, but it was in sixth grade. There was this creamy 
highlighter thing that I got probably at like Afterthoughts. Probably I went into limited two and then went to Afterthoughts after. That was my mall routine. There's a lot of products now that are these periwinkle, lavender, iridescent, shimmery highlighters. This was that, but in 1997. Totally know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? And I wore it on my eyelids. It was so cool. And there was also this wet and wild nail polish that I think still exists that was pearlescent white with that duotone shimmer of the periwinkle. And those two things were really on my radar. Very much our time. Show or movie you wish you were involved in or a part of? The movie Velvet Goldmine. Do you guys know that one? No, no. I feel so uninformed. Oh my God. Christian Bale, Jonathan Rhys Myers. It's like a glam rock. It's amazing. Oh, and Ewan McGregor's in it. And he plays like an Iggy Pop type character. And Jonathan Rhys Myers plays like a David Bowie type character. It's incredible. It's one of my favorite movies. The soundtrack is brilliant. And the makeup is very cool. But I would have died to get in there and go hard. Oh, this sounds right up my alley. I'm definitely watching this. Okay, what's the one must-have product that, as a makeup artist, you always have in your kit? The first thing that comes to mind is this product called Nano Blur. It is a anti-shine cream. I don't love using powder. The directors I tend to work with also don't like powder to the extent where if I pull out like a fluffy brush that looks like it might have powder on it, they have been like, hey, 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 I don't want powder. So this is a cream that kind of does what powders do, right? They take down the sheen a little bit and you apply with a beauty blender. So directors don't even know you're using an anti-shine. So it's like a powder, but not a powder. And I use it like in T-zones and stuff because I love having glowy skin. I just don't want the T-zone to be like greasy looking because that can be distracting. And I feel like as an, as a viewer, you're like, God, I just want to powder that person. So I'll control where it's genie. I like to keep the sheen and the glow more like on the cheekbones, the eyebrow bones, maybe a little on the nose and less so on the forehead between the eyes and like on the chin and stuff. Who makes it? It's called Nano Blur. It's called Nano Blur. It's by Indeed Laboratories. Like, I don't even know. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay, Indeed Laboratories. Yes. Didn't they just come to the States this past year, Sarah? I think that sounds familiar. It's just like my secret little weapon for not using powder to keep makeup shiny in the right places, I guess. I always have it on me. If I go to set and I don't have it, I send someone back to the trailer to get it or I like run back. It's like my security blanket. (laughs) Okay, this is probably going to be super difficult for you to answer. So if you have more than one answer, that's fine too. Favorite Euphoria makeup look ever? It's Kat's Halloween makeup look with the upside down crosses. That was my favorite because I felt so naughty doing that look. I was like, I'm going to do upside down crosses and put it on TV. But she was dressed as this character from this film, Miss 45. And in the film, which I admittedly have still not seen yet, but I want to, the person that Kat is dressed up as is like this person who's avenging her abusers. She dresses as a nun, goes to a party and kills her sexual abusers. Seeing Kat in this nun outfit, I just immediately was like, we're doing upside down crosses. We're painting them on, but they're going to look kind of like they're hanging. And then I wanted to do this black lip liner, just very wild and shocking makeup look that would make an impression. So that was my favorite one. It's just edgy. It just made me feel bad. Like I was being bad in all the right ways. (laughs) What's your favorite skincare product or brand? 
that's really tough because I have really struggled with my skin for a while. I have a lot of makeup on right now, but I have so many acne scars and active zits on my lower face. I think they're hormonal. I've gone through so much skincare. I've used Curology a lot with some success, although my acne is just like so persistent. I don't really know what to do. So I can't really fairly answer that question, to be honest, because I'm really figuring it out and I'm still confused and I like need someone to just tell me what to do. And there's so many incredible skincare lines. It's ridiculous. I get all these skincare stuff sent to me and I'm so excited to use it all. And then I get too excited. I start putting it on. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is great. And then like the breakouts just continue because I don't know how to properly treat my skin at this point. I've tried so much. I think I prefer lines that are not all all natural, like sort of lines that sort of meet in the middle of like science and natural. I also know that with my skin, that's a bit problematic. I do need some scientific ingredients. I have tried all natural lines. They did not help my acne, sadly. But then you hear from people where using tea tree oil and jojoba cured them of their acne. So I just don't know at this point. Who is your beauty muse or icon? Ooh, okay. Honestly, it's just literally Gen Z. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. It's like every generation does cool stuff that's based on all the stuff that came before them, right? And their interpretation of trends and makeup and fashion. And Gen Z is just doing a particularly cool job of that right now, taking everything that's come before them and sort of like putting it through their systems and putting out the most interesting, fearless makeup looks that are all about just, you know, crossing boundaries, tearing boundaries down, going against the grain. And all the while doing it, like sort of doing it in this kind way. I've been spending a lot of time on TikTok. Yeah, there's a lot of like trolls on there who do a lot of mean comments, but there's so much support that happens on TikTok. There's so many interesting experimental makeup looks that happen. I just, I love the experimentation. I love the support and like the uplift. So that is what inspires me. That is like literally my muse. It's just watching how these kids are doing what they're doing. And then it's been cool to see people get inspired by euphoria. And they're like thanking me for inspiring them. And I'm like, but I was inspired by you guys. And now I'm inspired by you guys being inspired by me. So then when I do for season two, it's just like this full circle of inspiration of just an infinite circle. It all kind of comes from them and what they're doing. This is the last question, my lady. We ask this to every guest on Los Angeles. So (laughs) you live in LA, but guess what? You've become a major movie star. So who is your dream co-star in this movie? Oh my God. Can I change the question? Can it be someone who I would love to do makeup on? Yes. David Bowie. Oh my God. Yeah, of course. You guys would be best friends for sure. (laughs) I just think his career, what it has meant to his fans and what it has done for people. I would love to express that in a colorful, insane, glittery, beautiful unicorn-esque makeup look on him. Donnie, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. You're incredible. We adore you. You are welcome. You are welcome back literally anytime you have the time because I feel like we could just pick your brain for hours on end. Tell everybody where they can find you online and maybe, do you know any details about Euphoria season two? Like, is that going into production anytime soon? I will share what I know. Euphoria season two is slated to begin filming in April. So I'm really looking forward to being back on set and finally doing that and getting back to it. Of course, that's always subject to change, but I think we're going to be starting in April. And you can find me 
on Donnie.davy. That's my handle on TikTok and Instagram. And then my website that we were selling these face decals on is DonnieDavy.com. So if you want to be in the know about when we will bring those back because they are sold out or just know about any future collabs or partnerships with Facelace or anyone else, you can sign up for email updates, DonnieDavy.com. Thank you, Donnie. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. This was so fun. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 